Section 12 of The Obscure Night of the Soul by St. John of the Cross. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book 1, Chapter 11 Stanza 1 With Anxious Love Inflamed The burning fire of love, in general, is not felt at first, for it has not begun to burn, either because of our natural want of purity, or because the soul, not understanding its own state, has not given it a peaceful rest within itself. Sometimes, however, whether that be the case or not, a certain anxiety about God arises, and the more it grows, the more the soul feels itself touched and inflamed with the love of God, without knowing how or whence that feeling arises, except that at times this burning so inflames that it longs earnestly after God. David in this night said of himself, My heart hath been inflamed, and my reins have been changed, and I am brought to nothing, and I knew not. That is, my heart hath been inflamed in the love of contemplation. My reins, that is, my tastes and affections also, have been changed from the sensitive to the spiritual way by this holy dryness, and in my cessation from them all, and I am brought to nothing, and I knew not. The soul, as I have just said, not knowing the way it goeth, sees itself brought to nothing as to all things of heaven and earth, wherein it delighted before, and on fire with love, not knowing how. And because occasionally this fire of love grows in the spirit greatly, the longings of the soul for God are so deep that the very bones seem to dry up in that thirst, the bodily health to wither, the natural warmth and energies to perish in the intensity of that thirst of love. The soul feels it to be a living thirst. Such also was the feeling of David when he said, My soul hath thirsted after the strong living God. It is as if he had said, My thirst is a strong living thirst. We may say of this thirst that being a living thirst, it kills. Though this thirst is not continuously, but only occasionally, violent, nevertheless it is always felt in some degree. I commenced by observing that this love, in general, is not felt at first, but only the aridity and emptiness of which I am speaking. And then, instead of love, which is afterwards enkindled, what the soul feels amidst its aridities and the emptiness of its faculties, is a general painful anxiety about God, and a certain misgiving that it is not serving Him. But a soul anxious and afflicted for His sake is a sacrifice pleasing unto God. Secret contemplation keeps the soul in this state of anxiety, until, in the course of time, having purged the sensitive nature of man, in some degree, of its natural forces and affections by means of the aridities it occasions, it shall have kindled within it this divine love. But in the meantime, like a sick man in the hands of his physician, all it has to do, in the obscure night and dry purgation of the desire, is to suffer healing its many imperfections and practicing many virtues, that it may become meat for this divine love, of which I speak while explaining the following line. O HAPPY LOT When God establishes the soul in the obscure night, 
that he may purify, prepare, and subdue its inferior state, and unite it to the spirit, by depriving it of light, and causing it to cease from meditation, as he afterwards establishes it also in the spiritual night, that he may purify the spirit, and prepare it for union with God. The soul acquires such great advantages, though it seems not so, that it looks upon it as a great happiness to have escaped from the bondage of the senses in that happy night, and therefore it sings, O happy lot! It is necessary now for us to point out the benefits which accrue to the soul in this night, and for the sake of which it pronounces itself happy in having passed through it. All these benefits are comprised in these words, Forth unobserved I went. This going forth of the soul is to be understood of that subjection to sense under which it labored when it was seeking after God in weak, limited, and fitful ways, for such are the ways of man's sensitive nature. It then fell at every step into a thousand imperfections and ignorances, as I showed while speaking of the seven capital sins, from all of which the spiritual man is delivered in the obscure night which quenches all desire in all things whatsoever, and deprives him of all his lights in meditation, and brings with it other innumerable blessings towards the acquirement of virtue. It will be a great joy and comfort to him who travels on this road to observe how that which seems so rugged and harsh, so contrary to spiritual sweetness, works in him so great a good. This good flows from going forth, as to all affections and operations of the soul, from all created things, in this obscure night, and journeying towards those which are eternal, which is a great happiness and a great good. In the first place, because the desires are extinguished in all things, and in the second place, because they are few who persevere and enter in at the narrow gate, by the straight way that leadeth to life. How narrow is the gate, and straight is the way that leadeth to life, and few there are that find it. The narrow gate is the night of sense. The soul detaches itself from sense that it may enter into that night, directing itself by faith, which is stranger to all sense, that it may afterwards travel along the straight road of the other night of the spirit, by which it advances toward God in most pure faith, which is the means of the divine union. This road, because so straight, dark, and terrible, for there is no comparison between its trials and darkness and those of the night of sense, is traveled by very few, but its blessings are so much the more. I proceed now to speak with the utmost brevity of the blessings of the night of sense that I may pass on to the other. End of section 12